This is episode 34 with fifth generation rancher and Kansas legislator Tatum Lee. From the Holy Spirit to patriotism to corrupt politics and cowgirl grit, we cover it all in this episode. So hold on to your hats and take a deep seat, y'all. Here we go. Hey, y'all, and welcome. You're listening to the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Dawn Johnson, small-town cowgirl with southern roots, blazing a trail as a Midwest ranch wife, mama, and businesswoman. The mission of Cowgirl Confessions is to share the wonderfully wild and western life stories of cowgirls from all walks of life. We'll talk about the highs, the lows, and everything in between when it comes to navigating careers, cowboys, kids, and cattle. Legendary cowgirl Dell Evans said it best, Cowgirl is a pioneer spirit, a special brand of American courage. The cowgirl faces life head on, lives by her own lights, and makes no excuses. Cowgirls take stands, they speak up, they defend the things they hold dear. A cowgirl might be a rancher, a barrel racer, a bull rider, or an actress, but she's just as likely to be a checker at the local Winn-Dixie, a full-time mother, a banker, an attorney, or an astronaut. If you're into wet saddle blankets, talks with God, buckets full of laughter, and the life lessons learned in the process, kick off your boots and settle in. I pray these stories encourage, empower, and give you just the leg up you need. Here's to embracing the cowgirl state of mind, no matter how wild and western life may get along the way. Tatum, thank you for joining me. It is a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation and just the energy you're you're bringing to the table today. Well, thank you so much. It's such a blessing to be able to be with you uh, on here today and to be able to share share our stories, to, to share what's going on with not just Kansas cattlemen, but cattlemen all across the country. So thank you so much. What a blessing. You are so welcome. And you know, you're, you're extremely passionate about helping farmers and ranchers. And, and that's actually how our paths have crossed in a roundabout way. When you met my husband, who happens to be a, a cattle producer at a sale barn this past week. And, um, you know, when he was kind of describing everything to me, I was like, I've got to, I've, one, I've got to meet this gal and we're going to be good friends. And two, I got to have her on the podcast to tell the story and what she's working on. And so um, before we we jump into all that. Just, just thank you for what you're doing. I'm like I said, I'm excited for people to learn more about, you know, what, what you're, you really kind of taking on. And um, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your tie to the, the ag industry. Yeah. So um, I'm a fifth generation producer. I, uh, my family, my mom's family and my dad's family, both are generational producers. Uh, my dad's family kind of got their start in the beef business by raising sheep out in Leota, Kansas for years and years. And, and uh, my mom's family, which is where I live, I live here uh, on our family ranch in Nestity, Kansas. Uh, and we've been here since 1885, same spot on the map. And so it's a real blessing to be able to fight for that, for that legacy, because I know what it's taken for our, for my family to, um, to really, you know, to carve these, this ranch out of the side of a hill and, and, uh, you know, we've lost it several times. I'm sure people listening, if they're on a generational place, they can attest to that. There's ups and downs in this business. 
And so, uh, you know, I, I just grew up in it, cut my teeth in it. And um, I chuckled. I was, when you asked me to do this, I went and was listening to some of your podcasts. You know, I grew up on the back of a horse. My mom and dad had a backgrounding lot in Leota. And so I always chuckle when I say to folks, I'll never get black legs because I've given myself so many black leg shots, you know, <laughs> with those syringes swinging back and forth, you know, while you're processing calves through every Saturday morning, uh, I would yep. be out helping my dad. And, and so we raised cattle, but we also, um, you know, raised uh, row crops as well. And, and it's just, I've never known anything else. My folks got a divorce when I was 15, and that's why I had I eventually moved over here to my mom's family ranch, and and uh, then I I so I graduated high school here, and uh, then I went to the University of Oklahoma, much to my family's uh, dismay, since my mom and dad both met on the rodeo team at K State. <laughs> I went to OU, and uh, my heart was, um, you know my heart was always, I always had a political bend. I'm super thankful that my mom and dad are both, uh, both always taught me and my grandparents. I mean, I always say I am who I am because of who my grandparents and my parents poured into me, uh, you know, who they made me to be. And uh, my mom for sure has a very strong, she just has a strong sense of justice. And so it was seventh grade Kansas history. I'll never forget it. Um, where we started learning about eminent domain. And I was so dead gun mad. I thought, how can the government just come in and take your land? And Holy Spirit, uh, it was one of those times in my life that he spoke so clearly to me and he said, you're gonna run for office. And so I, I tucked that away in my heart and I always knew at some point that's what was gonna happen. And then I moved to Oklahoma again and went to OU. My mom and I, we have cutting horses and my sister. And so she has a cutting horse ranch down there. And I stayed in Oklahoma for 20 years and uh, moved, didn't move back to Kansas until five years ago. Uh, and um, when my papa has uh, Alzheimer's and just didn't need to be at the ranch by himself anymore. And, and so that's what brought me back to Kansas. And um, in December of this, well, I'll tell you when COVID happened, um, they wouldn't let me see my papa in the nursing home and nobody would mm. help me, Dakota. Uh, and so I, I, was, I was incensed, I thought, I mean, for me, it was so clear, this is such a constitutional infringement that we are not allowing these people, arguably the greatest generation, to die with their families, to see their families. And it was complete isolation. And, um, and so I, I had taken this all the way up to the attorney general, to Derek Schmidt's office. And no, again, nobody would help me. And so in December of this last, well, actually October of this last year, when our state representative passed away, um, I got a call from Senator Alicia Straub, who is my state senator, and I met her in the primary, and uh, she's precious. She is a man. She is awesome. And she called me one morning, and she just said, hey, um, we need your voice in Topeka. And I knew that was my Esther moment. I knew this is what God had put in my heart when I was uh, in seventh grade Kansas history that day, and he'd been preparing me for my whole life. And and I was a little nervous, you know, there's not a handbook. How do you be a, how do you be a, I'm going to say politician for lack of a better word, even though I hate that word, because it has such a dirty context to it, but there's no, there's no, there's no handbook that says, here's the answers for how you do this. But I knew that I knew, um, I knew that what, that's what, you know, God had called me to do. And so I do uh, work for RCAF USA. You know, when I moved to Kansas, back to Kansas five years ago, when I moved back to the ranch, I saw what was happening in our industry. And I was so mad 
I thought, holy smokes. And I started just doing a bunch of research and educating myself. And there was this uh, nonprofit called ARCAF, and they were the only group speaking about these things. The Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and mandatory country of origin labeling. And I thought, holy smokes, if my neighbors found out what I just found out, they'd be just as mad as I am. And, um, and again, Holy Spirit just whispered to my heart and he said, call Bill Bullard, who's our CEO, and have him hire you. And I didn't do it at first. Uh, it was a couple days. And then I heard Holy Spirit again, call Bill Bullard and have him hire you. So I did that. I sent an email to RCAF and uh, I got a hold of Bill and um, and he said, he and I, and I told him, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to come work for you and help you with your message and fight for these producers. And he goes, well, what do you want to help us do? And I chuckled and he chuckled and I said, I have no idea. I just know <laughs> that I know that I we just cannot allow our Western way of life, these ranches to go by the wayside because you have a bunch of bureaucrats that don't know what they're doing um, and they're fighting against us. And so that's what I've been doing the last five years. And then of course, now this state representative um, position came up. I went, I ran in that special election in October and then a second one in December. And so, again, God is so good, isn't he? He brings us full circle and it gives us all these opportunities and um, life experiences to prepare us for the next thing, what he has for us to do. So uh, I was actually at the sale barn in Mocan Li at Mocan Livestock in Butler because of RCAP. I was there to, uh, to, 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 to talk to folks about the checkoff. And it just so happened that I met your husband and Tim and their Kansas boys. And of course, Kansas politics came up because of what I'm fighting <laughs> just this week with the checkoff. So that is really what brought us here. Uh, and that's a little bit about me and, uh, and really why, why I'm on, on this podcast with you today. Well, uh, so many things we could unpack there, but I just want to say like out of all of it, I love how you described it as like your Esther moment, you know, um, because it's so powerful. And, you know, God, even when we think, Lord, why are you trusting me so much? Why are you putting all this on my plate or on my shoulders? He, he has a plan and just, uh, you, you cap, you just captured that. So, so perfectly with that comment. And so thank you for that. Um, so let's, let's get into this beef checkoff program because, um, we've got some listeners on here, Tatum, that, you know, may be familiar with that, but quite a few that are not. And um, if you could explain, you know, what the Beef Checkoff Program is, and then really the the letter you wrote recently that has started a fire. <laughs> and um, isn't that the truth, boy howdy? Yes. yes. Well, the Beef Checkoff Program is uh, essentially, um, this is the Cliff Notes version. So it's essentially a federal mandated tax. It was passed in the 1985 Beef Act in order. They had tried to get it passed. They, meaning several politicians, I think it was Dole who had tried to in Kansas get this passed. Um, and it wouldn't go through, it wouldn't go through. And they finally were able to get this program um, pushed through. And uh, essentially what it is, is again, under federal law, every head of cattle sold incurs a dollar tax, which is then to be collected by the state entities to be used to benefit the American cattle industry. And so 
I just read a little, I just was sent a report literally 20 minutes before you and I had this podcast. It's very damning and I'll send it to you talking about the Kansas Beef Council and Kansas Livestock Association. But that's what it is. It's a federal tax that producers pay on every head of cattle they sell. And, you know, sometimes these cattle turn over three and four times. And so, of course, every time that check off is paid and then that tax is collected, that dollar's collected. And, and honestly, in its inception, it was it was a good program. I mean, the int- let me say it this way. The intent of it was good, right? It was these producers were wanting to um, promote their product, to promote beef. Um, it was, in my opinion, sold, and I've talked to several people that have first, that voted on it. It hasn't been voted on since 1985 because that's what had to happen. It was proposed federally, but then the producers had to vote on it. But there's a caveat in that federal statute. And uh, again, I don't know if you could link things on podcast or not, but we can link that document that actually will list the federal statute and people can actually, they can find it. And if you're a cattle producer, please, please go go, uh, sign our petition. We have till July 1st to be able to get um, uh, the 80,000 signatures required, but it's www.checkoffvote checkoffvote.com and then it actually will list the federal statute that allows producers to to basically petition their um their government with the blessing of the um secretary of agriculture to get a referendum so that we can vote on it again and that was kind of the caveat to if you ever if you ever become unhappy with this program here's how you change it well this has been tried once before that this this program, uh, checkoff program was voted on and the USDA threw out a bunch of signatures uh, for the petition to get the appropriate amount of signatures. And so people don't really trust the USDA, quite frankly, um, and they're not really trusting this process. And the reason is, is because it yields millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars to uh, these entities that are recipients of the beef checkoff. And so, uh, and I won't get into the weeds about how it's set up with the Cattlemen's Beef Board and, and all of that, because honestly, it's, it's complicated as the Dickens. And I think they made it complicated so that just normal people can't understand it. I mean, it's not just X, Y, Z. I mean, it's a complicated flow chart. This money gets filtered here, gets filtered here, and 50 cents goes here. And I mean, it's a deal. And so... Um, that's really what this checkoff program is. And what has happened is these producers are, you know, the U.S. imports beef from 22 different countries. And so this checkoff actually is prohibited from promoting exclusively USA beef. So there are U.S. producers raising U.S. cattle, paying the U.S. dollar, and they want to promote their product which is very commonsensical, right? And that's how it was originally marketed to those people who voted on it in 1985. This is your beef promotion program for your beef. Well, somehow in that act and order, the importers got in there. So those, those importers that are importing from all that beef, they do pay the check off, which is why it's prohibited for, just ex- for promoting USA beef. But honestly, most producers don't know that Dakota. They don't know that over $76 million that is being generated off that beef checkoff is actually going to promote beef in general. And actually another caveat to that, um, to, to this law is that you cannot disparage against any other protein source. So for instance, 
you know, it's beef, it's what's for dinner. That's the checkoff program. Those are those, that's a commercial that, you know, years ago, the beef checkoff funded. But right now we should be absolutely promoting USA beef over fake meat, for instance, or these, mm-hmm. this fake, I hate to even call it meat because that's not even what it is. But these alternative protein sources, it's prohibited from even lobbying against that. Now that is stupid. Mm. So that's what the beef checkoff is. You know, right now our commodity prices and, you know, y'all are feeders. Your husband's a feeder and he did such a great job. You know, if people want to hear that interview, they can go to Tatum for Kansas on my Facebook um, page and that they'll hear, I did two interviews with your husband actually. Um, Thank you. he, He speaks so well about this program and it really blessed my heart to meet him and Tim Clifton of one of I guess one of his best friends actually and uh, Tim did a fantastic interview as well Um, and these guys are they're 35 they've never been able to vote on the beef checkoff program the commodity prices especially for feeders I mean it's the segment that your family's in that's going broke faster than any other segment sorry to tell you that but it's the truth and so these guys are like boy howdy um, here, because here's the other, here's the other little gotcha with the beef checkoff. Those funds are being funneled to entities that are then using that money and lobbying against us. So in essence, we're funding our own demise. And here's an example, mandatory country of origin labeling. It's such a yay, dumb, easy issue. Are you freaking kidding me? U.S. producers, that's our trademark, right? USA beef. USA beef, and we're so proud of that. We work blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, you know, your family, you know, and we work hard. We deserve to put USA beef on our product. The entities like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and all of their state entities, Kansas Livestock Association, Nebraska Cattlemen's Association, Texas uh, Cattle Raisers Association, all of them have policy that say mandatory country of origin labeling doesn't work, even though in 2014, when we had country of origin labeling, we had the highest nominal calf prices we've ever had. But in 2015, when the Obama administration repealed mandatory country of origin labeling, we lost half our calf prices. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Mandatory country of origin labeling, we don't want government mandates. That doesn't help. It just costs the producer lies absolute lies so it's you know that's just one example for how you know these organizations for instance the kansas livestock association last year got over seven million dollars in checkoff funds and then they go to the kansas capital and they lobby against you and your family and say people don't care where the beef comes from people don't want labels on their beef that is wrong and so uh, that that's why people are so upset with the beef checkoff program and they want to vote on it. They want a vote. And how, so we're, I mean, fast approaching that, that deadline, you know, to get the referendum in there and stuff. And so how, um, I mean, where do we go from here, Tatum? And um, just thank you for working so hard to, to try to cultivate change here. Well, and, and I, and I know it's a lot. I know that's a lot, and I and I know it's it's a little overwhelming for your heart, isn't it? I mean, it's oh. a little overwhelming for your heart. Well, it's it's uh, been overwhelming for for a while now. I mean, to be honest, I I didn't grow up in the cattle industry. We had horses. I, I married into it, and um, it's it's disheartening to see you know your spouse, you know, and and your family work so hard towards something that you feel like you're not. Now we made this choice. 
I mean, to, to live this life and do this, but to know that we're not getting a fair shake, not because it's because a fair shake isn't being provided right now, the way things are and set And you know up. what? That's exactly right. And that's what's so dadgum frustrating to me is that for five years, I've been going around the country and I've been speaking to producers from coast to coast. And I, and I tell them, Hey, you know what? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's, it's, even though NCBA and, and all of these cattle groups uh, want to say, hey, you know what, just reduce your input costs and, and work harder, supply demand issue. You know what? It's very disheartening. It's not about, and it's, I mean, certainly we've got to be wise and we need to make sure that we are raising that, that calf and, and um, being mindful of our input costs and all those things, absolutely. But when you go to that market gate and that market, absolutely screws you over because because why because you have got politicians in dc and under these in these state capitals that are making decisions that they they have no idea because they've just been lobbied by an association who's using your funds to say hey you know what here's what grassroots cattlemen want it's it's just absolutely upsetting you know right now and i know that we want to talk about the beef checkoff but but you can't talk about this issue and not talk about the fact that there's market manipulation happening, that these four packers, you know, we allege in a lawsuit, our cast does, that, uh, um, that they're colluding, you know, they're setting the price. And, uh, you know, you have small family feeders like yours that, that are struggling when you have large captive supply feed yards that have prom- so it, that have sweetheart deals with the packers, which, you know, as a, for instance, the, the packers will come to you and say, if you promise us all your cattle, we'll give you X amount of dollars, or we'll promise you won't lose X amount of dollars. And uh, what happens is then those packers aren't going to these sale barns where you have true price discovery and bidding on the cash market for your calves. That's what's happening. And so, um, and then it's smaller feeders like your family, they don't have the leverage to be able to, like these, these hundred thousand you know head lot to be able to go to the packer and say no i'm going to do this or i'm going to do this i mean you kind of just you know like it or lump it basically that's mm-hmm. what's happening and so you know this um i, I if it's okay with you dakota i kind of want to talk a little bit about the letters that i don't because i don't i know this this podcast goes across the country and so i want to talk about the letter that did kind of kick this off this firestorm um, yes. Because I want to encourage your people, here's where we go from here. We have to, as producers, I know that we're busy. And I know that, you know, when I got into this, I was so aggravated. I was like, holy smoke, how did we get here? Let me tell you how we got here. We got here because we've used the excuse that we're busy. And I'm not saying that we aren't busy. But the time has come where if either we get involved with the politics of our industry, or we go broke and it's our own fault. That's really, here's what's happened. And, and it's because we're good, honest people. What's happened is these cattle associations, we've been paying them our dues, right? We've been paying them our $100 a month or $500 or a year, $500 a year, whatever it is. And they said, you know what? We've got you. We're going to go lobby on your behalf. And these ranchers out here are like, well, absolutely. Cause they sure as heck don't want to have to get on a plane and fly to DC and and uh, trace around the halls of Capitol, uh, Capitol Hill 
you know, they don't want to do that. So, hey, you know what? I'll write you a check. You go to bat for me. And they trust that they're going to bat for him for their interest because they're honest. Because, boy, howdy, if you pay me $500 to go do a job, I'm going to go do that job, right? I'll go do $600 worth of work for you. Because that's who we are as a people group. That's who we are as an industry. We're just honest folks. Mm-hmm. And because that's we're nice. honest, and we've trusted other folks to go carry the water for us. They've been selling us down the river. And now all of a sudden we're waking up and our kids can't come home to these ranches because the ranch won't even take care of mom and dad. And mom's had already go into town and work in, for the insurance company or the school or whatever because the farm's not making it anymore on just a farming income. So this is really what's happening. Rural America is being hollowed out because we have trusted that somebody else is going to bat for us. And so, you know, when I ran for this seat, certainly it was because the most immediate was that they wouldn't let me see my papa. And don't you get between a girl and her papa. She'll come <laughs> after you. So that's, but, but I'll be honest with you. You know, my part of this family legacy, I know this is what God has called me to do. Because, I, and I'll tell you, it's the hardest job I've ever had. I hate it. I hate doing, I, I hate Topeka people when I came home you know session just ended about a month ago and they're like Tatum what do you think about Topeka and here's what it's worse than we thought Mm. it is worse than we thought you know I knew this petition was going on this checkoffvote.com petition and by the way you know some people want to say well your job with RCAF doesn't that affect your job as a legislator I actually quit RCAF and didn't take a paycheck from RCAF the whole time while I was in session just to avoid any appearance of any, uh, any shady, anything, you know, I'm not a lobbyist with our calf anyway, I'm just a staff person. Um, but I, I put them on the back burner. I carry water for, for my people, for my neighbors, for my district 117. Um, but certainly I'm in Topeka because there's just not that many cattle producers or farmers or ranchers that are wanting to get involved in this game. And so, I saw this checkoff vote. I was concerned that we might not get the amount of votes or signatures that we were going to need. And so I prayed about it. I said, Lord, what can I do to, uh, what can I do to help? And I just really felt the Lord put on my heart that I needed, you know, I don't know if you've read the constitution lately, but I had not just so you know, (laughs) and I had also, um, you know, I was working at the federal level with RCAF. I wasn't even pay attention, paying attention to what was going on with the state level, Dakota. I'm going to be honest with you, and this is embarrassing to say, but I'm going to be transparent with y'all because I'm sure some of you can identify. I didn't even know his name. Had no idea our state representative's name because, again, you know what I thought? Somebody else is taking care of that. That's what I thought because I was busy doing what I was doing, and so surely somebody else is taking care of it. And again, I'm just being transparent with you. That ship has sailed. You, you asked the question, what do we do now? Here's what we do. You've got to get involved. And, we ha- and it's not just about at the federal level. It's at the state level. We have missed the boat that we have not been lobbying at the state level. And here's in my perspective why. State legislators are a lot easier to get a hold of than federal ones are. I mean, dadgum, my cell phone's published all over the internet. You can get a hold of me. You can email me. I don't have a secretary. I don't have staff people. I mean, it's just me, right? And Mm -hmm. so you can have a conversation a lot easier with your state representative or your state senator than you can 
you know, somebody that's at the elected level or at the federal level. And here's the kicker. Those federal, those federal folks that get elected, guess who they come from? They come from the state. So you move your way through. And so we've missed the boat that we've not been advocating strongly at the state levels. And so uh, the Lord spoke to me about writing a letter based on the 10th Amendment. And the 10th Amendment says that this is this is the Tatum version, by the way, that states have rights. And we actually give our rights to the federal give the right to the federal government the states give our give the right to the federal government not the federal government saying to the states here's what you can and can't do so when I got that in my brain how our country was formed and now you know we had a ragtag group of states that decided okay we're all going to get together here we're all going to unify and we're going to build a we're going to form a federal government and here's what we're all willing to do here's the state the rights we're willing to give them or the authority we're willing to give them when I had a real honest like aha moment about that I thought well dadgummit then we need to be flexing our 10th amendment muscle I'm going to get a bunch of state legislators together and I'm going to write a letter to to the secretary of ag bill stack because according to federal statute if he can issue a referendum for this checkoff well then dadgummit states have rights he better listen to us and really what kind of solidified that for me is this last election presidential election i personally believe that trump is won that election i believe that was stolen from him from us not him us that election was stolen from us and I started seeing all these state legislators, legislators, legislatures rather, um, how important they were to ratifying and certifying that election. And I had no idea the state government had that much power. And again, I'm embarrassed. Probably your listeners were like, well, this is the dumbest state representative we've ever heard because we all knew that. And I just didn't. I just didn't realize that state legislatures had so much power. So I wrote this letter and it just so happened that I finished it the last day of session. And we're sitting on the house floor to like two in the morning. And so I had a lot of time, right? I could have either done a word search, taken a nap or gone around and just talked to my colleagues about beef issues. And that's what I did. And I just said, hey, would you be willing to sign this letter and help support Kansas beef producers, uh, their right to vote? This doesn't get rid of the beef checkoff. It just allows them their democratic right to vote. And overwhelmingly, these legislators, many of them urban, we're like, absolutely, we, we want to support USAB. We want to know where our food comes from. We want safe food. Heck, we want to know it's Kansas beef. So though they don't understand the intricacies of, what, of, of the beef business. They know they want safe food, right? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, I had a goal of 30 signatures. I ended up having over 70 signatures because I had uh, the vice chair of the Ag Committee, Senator Straub, passing it around on the Senate side. Over a third of the Kansas legislature ended up signing that letter last uh, that night. It was incredible. In the next four or five days, I ended up having over 130 folks sign state legislators from all across the country in 12 different states. And so if you're listening, please go and uh, Dakota will link this letter. See if your personal state rep signed this. And if they didn't, put them in, put them in touch with me because I am, as we see, building a coalition of state elected officials that all this, you know, the federal government's out of control. Our country is in bad shape right now. 
How are we going to get control over it? Well, states have rights. So we better be flexing our muscle with our state legislators and building a team of folks together and saying, boy, howdy, if things get out of control, here's what we, we're going to stand together. So that's what I did. Well, here's, guess what? At midnight, y'all, midnight that night, there was this terrible letter that went out from the Kansas Livestock Association. And it says, hey, it's come to our attention that a letter about the beef checkoff is being circulated for signatures by another legislature. Later, please know while this is a federal issue, you're only getting one side of the story. While we have not seen this letter, from what we know at this time, KLA does not support the letter and encourages you not to sign it. And I just cracked, so I had multiple people sending that to me, of course. And I thought, holy smokes, you know, the two entities that get the most amount of checkoff in, in Kansas, I mean, it took them hours to start making sure that they're protecting their slush fund. And it's honestly been a firestorm ever since. I woke up to threats that next morning. Senator Straub had threats the next morning. And I kind of thought it was over with, really until this week. And the Kansas Farm Bureau sent out a terrible letter to legislators chastising them for signing the letter and saying, you know, hey, if you have questions about agriculture, you ask the lobbyist, we'll help you. And I was just, not just me, but there were a lot of legislators, they were, they were offended by that because they thought, you know, first of all, you don't tell us what to do, our constituents do. Well, and, and don't insult our intelligence. I mean, just don't. Yeah. And if you want to know something about going, that's going on in rural America, how about those legislators contact somebody in their district, uh, you know, that's actually working in rural America, not a bureaucratic talking head. I mean, talk about arrogance, right? Mm. So, so the president of the Farm Bureau, uh, and in full disclosure, my family ranch, I mean, we've been members of Farm Bureau for 50 years. So, you know, I was mad, and a lot of people were mad. And uh, that was a direct, and they sent that uh, presumably to the entire to the entire legislative body, Senate and House. Well, everybody knew I was the one who wrote that letter. So I'm having legislators call me saying, Tatum, you gotta defend yourself. And you know, as cowgirls, because I know this is about this, you know, the cowgirl spirit, right? I mean, you gotta be gritty. This is a you know, being a cowgirl is all about grit. And I'm going to tell you what, this has tested my grit because, um, because it's, it's hard. It's hard when people come against your character, Dakota. It's hard when, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, that's, that's what that letter did. It came against my credibility. It came against my character. This letter from Farm Bureau talks about the inaccuracies of my letter. And so I knew I had to respond, but man, I just didn't want to just because I knew this was it was going to be on at that point. And, and, um, and, so, but I did, I wrote a letter back on Tuesday, the next day, and I went through every single line and I talked about the federal statutes and it was a very factual and you can link that letter also a very factual letter that also included ironically a link to the IRS forms that KLA received over $7 million in checkoff funds, which might explain why they're pushing back so hard. Um, on producers voting on this program because they know they're unhappy. And that's where your husband and Tim Clifton come in because they were on the KLA board in your county, correct? They were. And they felt 
mad because their voices weren't getting heard. And so when I met those fellas in, in that, that day in that sale barn, that, that sale barn cafe, is there anything better than sale, a sale barn cafe? I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. That's where it really happens. You want to know what's going on. Don't go to the local beauty shop. You just go to the cafe at the sale barn. That's yep. right. And if you have homemade pie, you're going to be one of my favorite sale barns. I have a few favorite sale barns across the country at this point based on the pie. Just, I mean, that's my litmus test. So I met your husband in the sale barn cafe. And uh, we talked about the fact that he just didn't feel represented. And, um, you know, I, I sent that, I sent that letter back or I sent that letter out on that Tuesday. And, uh, the day that I met your husband, it had become, uh, I had found out that morning driving to Butler, Missouri, that the speaker of the house was having a private invitation only zoom meeting with certain legislators and allowing I, I don't know exactly who it is, KLA or the Farm Bureau uh, or both Kansas City Council to speak uh, and educate the background and history of the beef checkoff. And I was so mad about that because you know what, here's the deal. There's been a lot of shady stuff that went on in the Kansas House this last session. And I really didn't talk about it much because, um, you know, some things I went public with and some things I didn't. But, you know, they didn't like me. They, they are, by the way, I'm a Republican. And uh, the, Kansas, the Kansas legislature is Republican. Uh, we have a Republican supermajority is what they call it. So in other words, we're in control in both houses. And they didn't like me much because I wouldn't wear a mask, for instance. I was one of six out of 125 that wouldn't wear a mask. Now, again, I don't care if you wear a mask. I don't care if you wear a hazmat suit down the halls of the state capitol. But when your liberty, when your fear butts up against my liberty, we're going to have a problem. So they didn't like me for that because I was insubordinate. They wanted to close the gallery to the public because uh, of COVID, of course. And so I spoke against that as a freshman. We were like three days in at that point, And that was a Republican leadership bill. But I said, you know, you cannot suspend the Constitution in a pandemic, especially in a, pan in a, con in a, in a pandemic. We have to make sure we're protecting people's constitutional rights and people have the right to have a redress of their grievances to the government. So I spoke against that. You know, there was only 12 of us out of 125 that voted for you as a taxpayer to, for the Capitol to be open to you, right? I mean, I, I think that's disgusting. I, I say there's, there's Republicans, conservatives and patriots right now in Topeka and there's very few patriots. And that's why, you know, you ask, what do we do? I'm telling you these things because, you're, because your listeners have to get involved regardless of what state they're in. They need to go to their state legislative website and they need to find out who their person is and they need to look up their vote. And if their person's not voting like they need them to vote, they need to fire them. You know, nothing is gonna change until we get into the, till we get in the faces of these elected officials and say, you work for me. And, you know, I think sometimes the problem with our industry, Dakota, is we're too nice. Because that's who we are as people. We're kind, we're honest, and we just expect others are the same. But we're losing the, our liberty. I mean, the communist Marxist agenda is coming, is, is overtaking us, and conservatives are gonna have to stand. And we just haven't been. 
so the Speaker of the House, for a lot of several different reasons, uh, doesn't isn't a huge fan of mine. And so he sent out that email about having that private meeting. And in deference to him, you know, as, as respectfully, he is the leader. So I sent him a text and I simply just said, please allow both sides of this federal checkoff issue to be presented and make it a public meeting, not a private one. We need transparency in government because that's why people hate politics. It's shady if it has to be done in, in you know, quietly or, or secretively. And he of course did not respond to me and still hasn't responded to me. But I'll tell you what it's done is it started a huge conversation amongst colleagues. Just right before this, this uh, podcast with you, I got something that is, it's a 20 page report that, you know, a colleague is researching and the title of it says, Shell Game diverts millions of farm tax dollars to Kansas lobbying group threatening the beef checkoff program. I mean, I hope that by me taking a stand, that this has started a conversation. I'll tell you though, I mean, I got my first veiled death threat this week. Mm. I mean, you know, this, when you start messing with millions of dollars of people's money, millions and millions of dollars that funds a lot of salaries and a lot of, a lot of programs, people aren't gonna like it. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I would encourage you and I would encourage your listeners. Now is the time to cowgirl up. Now is the time that you better figure out what your state elected officials are doing. And I think it even, I, I've decided it's even, um, we've got to, it's at the local level. I think that the, the, uh, county commissioners could be one of the most important elected official jobs that we have. Because when the business hits the fan, like in this pandemic, guess who was in charge? County commissioners. Mm -hmm. So if you're not electing patriots that are your county commissioners, if you're not electing patriots that are your sheriff, if your hospital board, ours is county owned, which by the way, I had a, a nursing home bill that uh, was killed by my own uh, party that would simply have allowed our our elderly to be able to have visitation with their loved ones, um, not because it wasn't a good bill was it killed. It was killed because uh, in a Senate race, I had endorsed a different candidate, not the Speaker of the House's dad. Now you want to talk about petty. He killed it. He had people come up and talk against my bill because he was mad at me because I didn't endorse his dad for a, a, a special election. That's the sort of stuff that people hate with politics because it's, it's become not, you know, this should be about doing the right thing because it's the right thing. Cause that's how you and I live our lives. We do the right thing. We, because it's the right thing. We take our carts back to, you know, back to the, our, our buggies back to the little cart thing instead of leave them <laughs> in a parking lot because that's the right thing. Right. I mean, it's just basic integrity. This is who we are as people. And, um, and yet in politics, it's like the game changes a little bit. And so, you know, I would encourage your folks, they've got to get involved. They've got to get involved at their, their, their state level, their, or their local level, level, their county commissioners, their school board. Golly dang gum. We have got to protect our kids. Have you seen some of the curriculum at these school boards, in these schools, and some of these teachers that we have? I mean, 
these are the practical things that you can be doing and we must and you can't use the excuse anymore i don't have time you don't i don't have time there's a quote that i love and i'm going to read it if it's okay um the quote is people often say and when i read this a couple years ago it it just it just resonated in my spirit and i love it so much people often say with pride i'm not interested in politics They might as well say, I'm not interested in my standard of living, my health, my job, my rights, my freedoms, my future, or any future. If we mean to keep any control over our world and lives, we must be interested in politics. Mm. I think that's powerful. This is where we are in our lives. Um, Because the beef checkoff is a huge issue that affects our industry worth millions of dollars, right? But there's a lot of issues right now. I mean, they're coming after us at every, at, in every way. Biden's 30-30 land grab. I mean, they're coming after us there. They tried to completely overturn our elections, our federal elections, with HR1 here recently. Praise the Lord that didn't go through. But, um, you know, the environmental groups are coming after us. Um, I mean, it just feels a little overwhelming because we're fighting on, on every level. But, you know, we know we win in the end. I mean, that's what the Lord says. And so sometimes that's what gets me through, Dakota, is that I know that I know that uh, we have victory in the end. And so I work from the end, knowing that I'm working from a place of victory, not a place of coming to, to attaining victory. And it changes my paradigm because otherwise, knowing that these powerful groups are behind me and I'm getting death threats and, you know, the Speaker of the House, you, you know, the, the reason they're having this meeting, of course, is because these politicians that signed my letter, guess who writes $1,000 checks to them for their campaign? I mean, that's what this is about. I had one colleague call me and say, well, I was basically told if I'm not on that Zoom meeting, I wasn't going to get my $1,000 campaign check. Mm. That's, that's disgusting. That, so, you, I mean, you just brought, like I said, so, so much to the table and, you know, just, you had said it before it it sparked conversation you know and, and that's what we need um we we need more conversation more facts and to be able you know no matter what side you're on everybody needs to actually know what what's happening and there's a whole lot of gray area in here right now um to your point and so i i'm wondering tatum and I love what you said about, you know, you knowing that, you know, there's going to be victory in the end and working backwards from that. But for anybody listening, what are a couple of things that, that you take into consideration before you lean into a challenge just to help you decide if, if, if it's worth fighting for or not? Well, Holy Spirit's my best friend. <laughs> and I mean, I, you know, I'm, I go, I don't go to Walmart and pick out my cantaloupe without asking the Lord, okay, Holy Spirit, which, which, which is the sweeter one. And so, um, you know, the Lord is, Holy Spirit is my best friend. And I'm always, you know, that's the lens I view everything through is Lord, where's your heart at on this? What's your heart father on this? The other thing is, um, you know, a one of the most powerful things that happened to me prior to me running for office, and it happened just about a month before that special election, was I was visiting a friend of mine's dad in a rest home outside the glass, like a, a glass window, of course, and he's 92 years old and he fought in the Korean War. 
And he was so aggravated, you know, he can't hear, couldn't hear his daughter talking to him, whatever. And he was with tears in his eyes. And bless his heart, I mean, this is in Scott City, Kansas. He was an aerial sprayer his whole life. I mean, this is a guy that's been in agriculture his whole life, right? I mean, that's strong, you know, our grandpa's a strong tower of a man. And he was just had tears in his eyes. And he looked at me and he goes, is this what liberty looks like? Is this what liberty looks like? Is this what we fought for? Is this what my buddies died for? He goes, is this what I've, is this what, I, what we've come to? And I tell you, that struck my heart so much. And so that's the lens that I view everything through. Every vote that I, that I take, my question that I ask myself is, what is this? How does this affect liberty? Um, and, you know, we voted over 200 in, on over 200 bills in the Kansas legislature this year. And I just think I vote no way more than I vote yes, by the way. They, uh, I'm, I'm, I hate expanding government. You know, one of the things that hit my heart is we talk about, you know, we're coming up with the 4th of July next week, land of the free, home of the brave. Well, home of the brave is real, but land of the free. I mean, how much more, how many more laws do we really have to have? Are we really free? Because we don't need to keep passing law after law after law. I mean, at some point, people just need to be able to live their life. So anyway, I, I always ask Holy Spirit first, and he's very faithful to let me know what to do. And then I ask the question, how does this affect liberty? And that's the direction that I go. And, and you know, I'll tell you, I would, I would be so bold as to say, please pray for me. Pray for your legislators. Pray for them. Pray that Holy Spirit quickens to them you know, the courage and direction and strategy, because I'm a pretty bold gal. And yet there were times, you know, there were times on social media. I That's probably another reason they don't like me. I put a lot of stuff on social media because I believe in transparency. And I believe that people need to know these things because they don't know them. And that's, the, you know, they don't want people to know what's going on up there. So I'll just come out with it. Like, hey, y'all, here's the deal. Here's what's happening. And uh, um, I, I just believe that we need to have transparency in these things. And there were things that I didn't go to social media with. You know why? Because they, because, because they, they want to, you know, it's, it's this pressure that, man, if I go public with that, what's the backlash going to be? And so, again, I mean, that's, it's a great question. You know, how do you know what you're going to lean into? Um, you know, Isaiah 54, 17 is one of my life scriptures. And I prayed over myself multiple times a day. You know, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment will be shown to be false. Um, because, you know, the world, if you love the Lord and you're a Christian, the, the world hates you. Um, and so that, that's, those are my guiding things that I use to help set the tone for my life, how I'm going to move left or how I'm going to move right or what I'm, or if I don't do anything at all. Thank you so much for just, um, being honest, being open and, and sharing, you know, um, sharing where you stand and not being afraid to share that because to your point, I think there are so many people that, um, you know, they're, they're kind of sitting on the fence or straddling the fence and it's, um, for multiple reasons. And, and it's time for, for each and every one of us, you know, to, to take a stand. And so you've, 
you've just been a wealth of knowledge today, Tatum, and uh, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. And um, I know I, I want to wrap this up with two questions that I try to ask every guest on here. Um, and so, like you said, you have grown up, um, you know, on a ranch and been around it your whole life. So I know you've got to have some some wild things that you've probably had to patch together with with duct tape, bungee cords, baling wire, you <laughs> name it, in a pinch. So what uh what would be something you've had to patch up that way? Oh my stars! Well, yep, we've there there have been a lot of wrecks. Um, well, you know, I I uh, the first thing that comes to mind it makes me kind of chuckle. So I'm 41, and I think, boy, howdy, I've gone. I've gone through a few relationships that I've needed some duct tape that I had to patch my heart back together. <laughs> uh, there's, there's too many bailing wire incidents to count. And, uh, but no, just being funny. I mean, you know, just, just going through life in general, going through life in general. Yeah. Well, I'd, I really, I, I relate to that because duct tape, you know, that's the fix all. So broken hearts to, <laughs> you know, truck hoods coming off or whatever. You just, you just duct tape it and you'll get you through. Just, you just do what you got to do. That's right. <sighs> yes. Um, and last but not least, you know, this podcast is dedicated to just sharing the idea with women to em- encouraging them as well to embrace that cowgirl state of mind. You touched on it earlier that, you know, it really, you know, means to be gritty to you, but, um, Anything else you want to share with us on what the cowgirl state of mind means to you, Tatum? You know, we have to have courage. We're living in a time in our country. We're living in an interesting time. And there are times that I've asked the Lord, man, Jesus, come quickly, you know, because it's hard. Life is so hard right now and everything's happening so quick and there's so much stimulation everywhere and people are coming against you. And you know, it would have been real easy, Dakota. Uh, and I tell you what, after that, uh, you know, after, after, after some of the things that have come come against me this week, it's like, Lord, I just, why am I doing this? You know, why? Do, and do people even care? You know, I tell you, you're meeting your husband this week and Tim, it encouraged me because it's guys like that that I'm fighting for. And sometimes the battle becomes so hard, so hot that I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like, I mean, why do I need to put myself on the line for people who they're living their lives, they're completely oblivious to everything going on, that we do it because God's called us to do it. And that does take courage. You know, one of my favorite scriptures talks about, and this is the Tatum version, not the King James, talks about, you know, be still, God, God's fighting your battles for you. You know, God is, he is fighting these battles. And, and I've really struggled to, to, to remind myself, you know, that sometimes, um, that I don't have to do this lift on my own, that the Lord's got me. And uh, I, I would, if I can leave, if I could leave the gals on this, on this podcast with anything, that's that small voice in your spirit, that little tickle that you have in your, in your gut that says, do this, don't do that. Stand up. Um, now more than ever, we have got to do, we have got to, sink a deep seat or sit a deep seat and sink a spur because it is wild um and the Calvary's not coming Dakota we're the Calvary right nobody's coming to save us and so um one of uh, one of my friends in the cattle business in our cast he had he said this to me years ago because sometimes all these issues and I apologize I hope I just didn't talk too much about all this 
this stuff is going on. Um, no, you're good. But, but um, he said this to me several years ago when I was, when I was just lamenting, boy, howdy, this is so dang hard. And he goes, you know, Tatum, he said, uh, he, he talked about history and he talked about those early revolutionists who literally pledged their life and their families and their fortunes, knowing that if, if they lost, if we lost that revolutionary war, they were dead. And honestly, the majority of them did end up losing their lives and they lost their fortunes and they lost their families and talk about courage. And then he said to me, Tatum, he goes, I might be a casualty in this war that we're fighting, but I won't be a victim. And that's powerful. And that's where we're at is these gals that are sitting on their ranches that are in this way of life, they're coming for us every day. And you cannot leave it up anymore. I urge you, do not leave it to somebody else to make the heavy lift. It's not up to somebody else to fight that fight for you. It's up to every single one of us. If we want to keep our Western way of life, if we want to keep our, the history and the legacy of our ranches, it's time we step up. We have to. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Thank you, Tatum, for for just everything, for your time. And um, I'll, I'll be praying for you. I have no doubt many people listening to this podcast will be praying for you and, and our other, you know, um, politicians that are in there that that we we need the Holy Spirit working on them as well. And so, um, yeah, and so I'll make sure. People need to run. There are going to be people listening to this and they've thought about it. They've thought about running. They've thought about school board or they've thought about this or they've thought about that. And the fear of losing made them not. And the fear of exposure made them not. But if Holy Spirit is calling them to, to do it, you know, that's the thing. We have to have normal people in these offices. You know, politicians, I mean, shoot fire six months ago. I was just a girl, right? I was, I was just a girl like you, just a girl. I mean, we need just, we need normal people running for these offices. That's where we have to make that connection that a politician I'm not a politician. I'm just a girl passionate to save her ranch and her family history. You know, so if they're thinking about running, please do it and call me. Let me help you. I mean, we'll stand together. We'll do it. Mm, I love that. Uh, Tatum, thank you so much. And I'll be sure to um, all the links we talked about adding, I'll have those in the show notes, you guys, so you can, um, you know, connect with Tatum. You can, um, you know, see how you can get involved with all the different things we talked about. And um, just thank you again. It's been a real pleasure getting to visit with you. And I, I look forward to, to meeting you in person soon. I know. I look forward to squeezing your neck too. Thank you so much for everything you're doing to, to share our stories across the country. It's, it's so fun. It's really fun to connect with everyone. Thank you for spending your time with me on the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm so glad y'all stopped by. If you could take a moment to share this episode and tag us on social media, I'd be happier than a cowgirl in a sea of buy one, get one vintage turquoise. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. New episodes will be released bi-monthly. 
please leave us a review if you feel so led by going to iTunes. Your feedback will really help us breed the idea of grabbing life by the horns with a cowgirl state of mind into women across the globe. Some that may have never even had the privilege to throw their leg over a horse, but could most certainly use the cowgirl state of mind while navigating life. Thanks again, y'all. Until next time, keep pursuing your dreams with that all-go and no-woe mentality. Remember, you're writing a story that's worth saddling up for, sister. Sister.